Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year, and we are in Second John. Now remember, when I give you my two cents, it's simply to inspire you to go back and read. It is from my very untheological perspective, and it's basically what I ponder on, and I share it with you, and hopefully you read it, and you have your own um, contemplations. So we're at Second John. Can you imagine we're reading a whole book in one reading? So John... I, I like John's writings. You know, um, when you read Paul, it's very different. When you read John, and remember, John actually walked with Jesus. And most of his writings is about Jesus and about love. It's like he has this just this freshness of just, guys, like almost an urging. Guys, you're, just, you're getting it all confused. Let me explain. And then he explains repetitively in different ways to try to get them to understand that Jesus is God and God is love. So many and and don't and love others. That's basically what John's whole message is. So here, um, but he understands some of the things that they struggle with. So in Second John, he's writing possibly to a church that he calls a lady or an actual person. We don't know. But He's basically helping them distinguish falsehood. I'm going to start um, verse four. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm writing you a new command. But one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this love that we walk in obedience to his command As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. It's like, can you see how he's just saying it over and over in many different ways? Now he's saying, look, look, here's the deal. Walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have what we have we work have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have god whoever continues in the teachings has both the father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching do not take them into your house or welcome them anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work i have much to write to you but I don't want to waste any paper and ink. At least that's what it says. Okay. Um, the real key th- thing is in this day and age, there are people who believe Jesus was a good man on earth who spoke good things, but wasn't really God himself. There's others who believe that he was human, but then when he was baptized, then he became God, like a God. But then when he died on the cross, he died as a, that's when his Godness ended. See the confusion? And John, that's why John keeps repeating it over and over. No, let me explain. He's saying, be careful. There are those who say Jesus was a good man. And you're going to hear that even in this day and age. Many, many religions believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God and also God. Um, that he was just a good man who lived on earth. Be careful of that. Don't let people confuse you. And people get so confused out there. The only reason they're confused is because they're not reading the Bible themselves. 
They're not walking with God themselves. And they're only being fed what they're taught from other people, including preachers, influencers. But are you getting into the word yourself? Is God speaking to your spirit? Do you walk with God daily and wrestle with some of the things like when going into Job? I mean, reading the entire Bible, not just skipping to your favorite parts or the parts that appeal to your life. Do you jump into the book of Job and let it speak to you in the way it needs to speak to you? That's what it's like walking with God. So speaking of that, let's actually read. So it's a little bit more than I typically read, but I'm going to because I really want you to hear Job's writing and I want you to identify with some of the pieces. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, Make sure I'm reading the right chapters and don't get ahead of myself. Oh my gosh, it's Job chapter 23 to 25. Mm. Okay, bear with me. Here we go. Even today, my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would stay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him. And there I would be delivered forever from judge, from my judge. Do you see the change in his tone? It's almost like he's exhausted. He's been suffering so bad, so desperate and almost angry with God, but blaming God. But now he's just like, oh, he sounds weary. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his ways without turning aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me, and many such plans he is still has in store. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me, yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? There are those who move boundary stones. They pasture flocks that they have stolen. They drive away the orphan's donkeys, the orphan's donkey, and take the widow's ox in pledge. They thrust the need from the path, the needy from the path, and force all the poor of the land into hiding. Like wild donkeys in the desert, the poor go about their labor of foraging food. The wasteland provides food for their children. They gather fodder in the fields and glean in the vineyards of the wicked. Lacking clothes, they spend the night naked. So here he's saying, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the poor suffer? Why do the weary suffer even more? And then he moves on to say, and why do, verse 12, he says, I'm on chapter 24, by the way. The groans of the dying rise from the city and the souls of the wounded cry out for help, but God charges no one with wrongdoing. 
There are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its ways or stay in the past. When the daylight is gone, the murderer rises up, kills the poor and the needy, and then the night steals forth like a thief. So the whole point over at the beginning of chapter 23, he's expressing his just weariness and acknowledging God's power and realness and awe and knowing and just admitting, wait, 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 time out. I really was following God's ways. I was doing everything right. I didn't have a bad heart. I wasn't thinking evil thoughts. But he is God. And that's that. And then he moves on to, but, but I have questions. Why do the, the evil things happen in the world and the evil people get away with it? And why do the poor suffer and the orphans and the widows, why do they suffer so greatly? And the evil get away with it. So he's pondering. He's, he's asking the true heart questions that you and I have asked a million times in the suffering. Why does this happen? And we never get resolution. We never get the answer. And I'm sure Job, as we'll find, he won't get the exact answer. But, but he's asking the hard questions and he's allowing his heart to speak. So you see the process he went through? And then in chapter 23, he gets weary and just says, I don't know, but God's still in control. Then his friend replies in chapter 25, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? On whom does his light not rise? How then can a mortal be righteous before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm. So I don't think he's speaking against Job at this point. He's just saying, he's almost like, yeah, it's true. I, I can feel it. Can you feel how they're just like, I don't know. I don't understand this world. I don't, I don't understand how suffering happens. I don't understand how the wicked get away with what they do and seem to live happy. And the ones who are doing good suffer. It makes no sense. But at the end of chapter 23, he says, but what I do know is that God is still in control. Crazy, right? And that's what it means to walk with God, is to to ask the tough questions, but not to give up on God, but to ask the tough questions and let God mold and shape your life and sometimes you be test you're tested but can you persevere can you still see God in your darkness and that's what he's saying over here even in the darkness yet I am not silenced by the darkness by the way the thick darkness that covers my face but even admits God has made my heart faint So in our suffering, can we still see God? Wow. Such heavy stuff. This is what it's like walking with God. It's not always lollipops and roses where everything is happy, happy, happy. Um, Sometimes we have to wrestle with the hard stuff, the hard questions. And certainly reading Job will really allow you to do that. Okay, my friends, this was Job 23, 24, and 25. And then we read the entire book of Second John.
That's a lot, right? Go back and read. I hope that inspires you to jump in. This is what it's like walking with God. Yep, yep, yep. Have a great one. I shall see you soon.